0: what up what up welcome to electric liberty land episode number 160s pre-roll and once again i'm going to remind you guys that we do have an open slot right now because we only have three shows so we only have three of these slots available to our hundred dollars supporters but if you want to get in jump on it while it's hot you could get a ad from one of us a brand spanking new shiny little toy to advertise your business your podcast I don't know, maybe a passion project. Maybe advertise your My Little Pony Brony Meetup group. Little Sparkle Feathers. I know what your secret name is. I know what your secret name is. Uh, Anyway, it could be much better than this ad. Trust me, you. But you can only get in on that by going to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty and joining at our $100 level to give you access to all of these wonderful benefits. And additionally... You may have noticed that we've been doing some shows that are based upon our supporters' suggestions or requests, and that can be yours to have at the low, low price of $50 a month in support. You go in for, uh, for three months of that, you get to pick a conspiracy corner, you get to pick an LILDL topic, yeah, you know, we can have some fun with it. So, thanks to Craig, thanks to uh, Kale, thanks to Davey, our supporters that are at that level right now. You guys can get on that as well, have some fun with it. And we look forward to having you influence and input on our program. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and Liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Oh well, yeah, hot dog. How's it going out there, everybody? My ladies, my gents, and all the things in between. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 160, meaning you can go and find all the show notes for today's episode at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL160. Now, coming into the show, I want to tell you guys, I... Did not have my baby yet. I uh, I know some people are curious. As of right now, we are still waiting. The little thing was due on Monday, and we are, uh, as of right now, just playing the waiting game, you know? As I mentioned to our calls, or our uh, subscribers who were on the Mufasa call, which is our $25 member and up, we do a little uh, Zoom video chat once a month for about an hour, just shoot the shit, talk about different uh, topics and Liberty and also get their feedback on what they like, what they don't like, what they want to see in the show. And of course we share with them also what's going to be coming up around the bend for the podcast. But as I uh, had mentioned to uh, to some of the people on that call, you know, I just, I just envisioned this baby, you know, just clinging to the uterus, you know, it is just really, you know, like you throw a cat into a bathtub full of water and the things just splayed out on all the sides of the tub and you can't get it in. That's the way I view my baby listening to me rage about libertarian issues back here in the, uh, the old recording den. And she's probably just like, oh, God, I got to deal with that. I got to deal with that all the time, every day. And so she's just positioned herself like a cat above the bathtub on my wife's cervix. Anywho, <laughs> uh, regardless, I will have a baby sometime soon. Uh, I would say at worst at this time next week. So we shall see uh, how it goes. I've got a backup show in place. We also may do a little uh, little experimental. Uh, maybe Mark and Howie team up for a little Howie Snowen's Boogaloo Radio. We'll see how it goes. But in the meantime, I am still here. Your voice for liberty on Wednesdays, crack-a-lacking with the jokes and the songs, though I don't have a song for you today. I mean, really... I, I was excited to get back to just kind of doing a little bit more of a a, a swing-around topic show because obviously I've been focused on some big major topics lately because how can you not? And sadly, I have to talk about impeachment just a little bit. I've already talked about it a lot. And th- the good news is, though, guys, don't tune out yet because it's going to be very quick. we as quick as you can be. Uh, a man like myself who tends to drone on and on and on, and, uh, and go on rants that he doesn't seem to have the ability to stop. Now, first things first, Donald Trump, the impeachment uh, trial, the impeachment hearing, whatever you want to call it, is going to be going forward. Mitch McConnell put through some last minute changes because he was uh, getting pressured. I guess the two days for evidence were not enough, they said. So he added another day and they're great. So they're going to be doing three days of evidence presentation and then Probably five weeks of badgering back and forth and yada, yada, yada. The Bill Clinton trial was about five weeks long. At least that had something entertaining in it. I mean, for Christ's sakes, you had a president getting his knob slowered in the Oval Office. You had uh, shooting bodily fluids ending up on a blue dress, which I can't really remember if they trotted that out and it was on display during the actual hearings and the trial because and I know it's not even fair to call it a trial because it's really not an honest trial. But I remember watching that back in the day. Uh, my parents had it on constantly. And i would be honest, I don't see myself watching a single minute of this trial. And I have a hard time believing anybody that's not an avid TDS card-carrying member, that being Trump derangement syndrome, is really going to be that fascinated by the proceedings. I mean, what? Exactly. Do the Democrats plan on presenting that's going to be any different from the dog and pony show that they had in the House? And I know they're talking about this guy, this Lev Parnas guy, and whatever you know BS he's going to be out there spouting about, talking to uh, to Giuliani and talking to different members of Trump's team about you know pressuring the Ukrainian president to do this and that. I don't know. It still comes back to the same nonsense, which is that this is purely political. It's purely partisan. It's something that presidents have done from the beginning of time and they'll keep doing from the end of time. Quid pro quo is pretty much how you do statecraft when you have an unlimited amount of money to throw at people and you want to try to get something out of that. Uh, So I don't know. I can't bring myself to care about this at all. Not even slightly. And you know, not to give libertarians a good, here you go, guys, pull your pants down, get your lube ready. Because here, I'm going go off a little bit of a libertarian uh, <laughs> self-pillating session here. But as libertarians, I can't see anybody really getting that riled up over this. I mean, we've been talking about abuses in power forever. Every president does them. We're always upset about it. We're always the ones complaining about it. We're always the ones saying that there's too much power, not just in the, uh, in the hands of the president. And of course, The president's powers have expanded basically every single president that's been in office and Congress has just twiddled their thumbs and allowed it to happen. Not to mention that the judiciary branch has sat back and repeatedly ruled that the president has these powers time and time and time again, or they make adjustments and bills put forth that adjust the president's powers to give them these, these untethered war powers in the face of this quote unquote terrorist threat. So, we're always on the forefront saying that this is ridiculous, that we need to stop this, we need to rein it in, and nobody ever listens to us. So, excuse me if I can't get myself worked up over a partisan effort to impeach a president, which won't happen because it absolutely will not succeed in the Senate. What a partisan effort to impeach a president over quote unquote abuses of power, which frankly, I'd be very curious to see how they found out or how, how they ended. I mean, You've got Biden, you've got his son, his his derelict kicked out of the military for doing drugs, son, getting paid an exorbitant fee from a Russian gas company while his father happens to be working with the Ukraine. And you've got Joe Biden bragging about it. I think something's fishy there and I don't mind Donald Trump asking somebody to look into it on the same note. I know that the author of Clinton Cash has a new book out that also links, I think, Joe Biden's brother to receiving some, you know, millions of dollars in payments, again, tied in with uh, different matters of state, getting paid out from, I think, China and Russia and a few other places. So you've got this twisted Biden family story. But in the meantime, we're supposed to believe that Donald Trump's egregious actions by asking it to be invested in exchange for funding that still was provided and was never withheld and they didn't know about it to begin with somehow means that he should be impeached. I'm not, that's all I'm going to say about it. I can't bring myself to care. And as a libertarian, knowing that this is all bullshit, knowing that these are two partisan parties that are going to go down this road where, you know, talk about just wasting time, talk about wasting money, talk about abandoning the basic things that you were put in position of power to, to move forward with, which is addressing the needs of the country, are thrown to the wayside, in exchange for a blatant grab at power. So as libertarians, why should I root for anybody to have that power? Be they Republican, be they Democrat, I can't bring myself to really care about this because I know it's just more the same. I know it's simply one party desperately trying to scrabble to maintain or to take power away from the other side, both of which who are evil, both of which have essentially the same agenda, which is to grow the size and the control of government. And neither of them could give a damn about me other than to see how much money they could pry out of my pockets to continue to bleed people out overseas. So pardon me, if I sit this impeachment out, wake me when it's over. I'll be under the tree like whip, Rip Van Winkle dreaming of uh, of beautiful libertarian women like my wife and hoping that little Ron Paulina uh, Mises McWilliams comes out uh, and is a, a happy, healthy child. So I'll be a little preoccupied during this impeachment. So, you know, check in with me in four weeks when it all wraps up. Maybe then I'll care. Maybe then I'll give a fuck to have a real opinion on it. Until then... It's just all smoke and mirrors, you know, it's flashing lights <laughs> and I pray that I have an epileptic seizure to take me out of the, uh, the running to cover it. Now, what I do want to get into though, on this show, now that we move past that, uh, that line of crap is that apparently the boogaloo has been canceled for now, or at least the boogaloo has been postponed because Ralph Northam, the, uh, the either he's either the guy that was in blackface or the guy that was in a KKK costume good old, I'll chop your babies up as soon as they, uh, as soon as they're given, as soon as they birth these babies, I'm pretty much happy uh, allowing a doctor to chop them up, allowing them to be taken and euthanized on the spot. But you know, the doctor's got to agree. And then we can sell their, their parts off to Planned Parenthood. But he now, of course, is making a giant push to take away people's Second Amendment rights in the state of Virginia. People in Virginia Turns out, actually like their guns. Not surprising, considering the fact that Virginia was predominantly Republican until very recently, and that a lot of people that may have gone Democrat probably still are proud gun owners. And what we saw was that they had a planned protest. We saw that Governor Northam positioned this in what some people I was reading online, they said it was a no-win situation. I know Howie had, uh, had taken that approach. Uh, I think our, our buddy Jason, who's a supporter, had taken that. And Jason actually uh, was at the event, and I wanted to—I wanted—I to, was hoping he was going to be on our Mofasa call because he's uh, one of our one of our big supporters—and get his take from the event since he was on the ground there. And sadly, he was not on the call just now before I jumped on ELL, but. Turns out, despite all of the, the fear-mongering that Northam did by declaring a state of emergency because he and his people wanted to rile up their base by saying that this was going to be the next Charlottesville and that these violent people were going to come in and that they were going to be overrun by neo-Nazi militias and that they had to declare a state of emergency because of the imminent threats. Imminent threats, just like we had the reason we had to kill Soleimani, Right. Northam's taking a page out of Trump's uh, Trump and Pompeo's book. So they, just, they declared a state of emergency because there was going to be this army of, of Nazis. Well, what happened? Well, they have the protests. Happened on Monday. Or it happened on Sunday. No, Monday. So they had the protests. Massive turnout. Bigger than Donald Trump's inauguration, if you could believe it. Massive turnout, though. Antifa members actually showed up. They made a, a, they, a pact to march peacefully alongside Second Amendment rights protesters. They marched together. And in this circumstance, now granted, you're probably not going to see these Antifa people in Portland adopt the same stance of, you know, we provide, uh, we, we are in favor of Second Amendment rights, mostly because you can't beat a man around the head if you're a professor in Portland, if he's a gun-carrying American. But, you know, these people in Virginia... They marched next to the uh, Second Amendment protesters, and they marched with very pertinent signs that make total sense, and the reason people like Maj Teray are going around and uh, really campaigning for more minority groups to get armed and to know how to use guns properly, and that is that, frankly, Second Amendment rights are minority rights. Second Amendment rights are, uh, are in fact, probably more important to a minority group, because as one sign said, and I saw many, many signs on Twitter for minority groups, women and men and transgenders and everything else, but it said that minorities are absolutely armed minorities are harder to oppress. Well, goddamn right they are. I would say virtually anybody is harder to oppress should they be armed. And of course, as we know, every fascist government, which... I mean, hey, I guess Virginia's Antifa must know a little bit more than their brethren around the rest of the United States. But if you truly are anti-fascism, you know that the only way fascist governments can actually come into power is by banning guns, which is what each and every one of them do and have throughout history. So it was interesting to see peaceful protests, no violence reported during the day, by the way, absolutely no arrests were made. Think about that, a protest where no arrests were made, zero, despite the fact that they think there were 100,000 people. No, maybe not, maybe not that many. I have to look up an official count, but from the pictures I saw, I, at least tens of thousands of people. It was a pretty sprawling turnout. But you have all these people, and as I said, there were transgender activists there marching with signs again, because if you haven't read the news, it can't be reported enough that transgenders are being killed. Uh, there was some, you know, something like 30 transgenders were killed in 2019, which Aside, you know, I'm not rooting for any transgenders to, to have any sort of violence perpetrated against them, but I don't know. I, I I did read that stat, and I thought to myself, all right, 30 people, and that's, that seems – if you're comparing it to the overall number of people murdered, it still seems like a very tiny amount of people to me. But regardless, if those transgender people that were accosted, that were murdered, that were, uh, they were killed in Chicago and wherever else they're being taken out – if they were armed, they probably would have had a very good chance of defending themselves and being alive today. So it's interesting to see transgender rights activists, minority activists, black activists, female activists, feminists out there, everybody marching together, everybody marching peacefully. Now, what's shocking is that there's a there's a popular theory out there that this world we live in is a simulation, right, and that we all are simply – bits in a computer that we're traipsing around that we have no idea that we're imaginary and that we've just been created. And really that this world we're living in is not the concrete physical realm that we imagine it to be, but is instead something that is ethereal, that is created uh, by someone's imagination. Now, I'll tell you what leads a lot of credence to that is the reality that the media have been painting surrounding the Second Amendment protests. Because were you to watch CNN, were you to watch MSNBC, were you to watch uh, NBC news, you would have thought that this was rife with white nationalists, with Nazis, and that this was in fact going to be the next Charlottesville. And of course, they went out of their way to talk to the most liberal and most ignorant 19-year-old girls that they could find at universities around these, uh, these protests to interview and get that they're desperately afraid that this is going to become a Nazi propaganda march and there's going to be violence in the streets and that there's going to be shootings, none of which happened. And again, hearing these reports, you would imagine that nobody was there except white armed men. Meanwhile, we're seeing that that is absolutely not the case. Because fundamentally, people that haven't been brainwashed by constant media barraging and this painting of reality as something other than it is, which is by far the safest time we've ever been alive, by far. All violent crime is down. It goes down every year. Gun crime is still down every year. Gun deaths are still down every year. Home, uh, you know, home break-ins are still down every year. But the media doesn't want you to believe that. They want you to believe that you're constantly in a state of danger. And of course, this plays out on the global stage as well. I mean, America hasn't really been at war in uh, God knows how long. We've gone and fucked other people up, but we haven't had to ship anybody out since Vietnam, and even that wasn't really a declared war to begin with, and we shouldn't have been in there to begin with. There's been zero danger to us as a homeland since the attack on Pearl Harbor, which you could argue would have never happened because it was allowed to happen by our own government in order to draw us into a war. So we're sitting here, safe as can be, other than from attacks by socialist factions that want to destroy our country. But we're sitting, here safe, we're sitting here safe as can be. And in the meantime, we've got the media telling us that we're under attack by white nationals, which of course are a, a group that is so irrelevant and so unempowered in this country that they might as well be, uh, again, the, the My Little Pony Brony groups that I mentioned at the top of the show. And that somehow these armed militiamen are going to rise up and and what? Keep their guns? Because they're not storming anybody. You know, They're not storming their neighbors' houses. They're not going around shooting up towns. They're not declaring their own martial law. In fact, what is happening more often than not in these Virginia counties is that they're declaring themselves sanctuary cities. And I, yes, I know my buddy Michael Bolden ha- takes a little bit of umbrage with the um, with the way in which they're going about this, but uh, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, Of course, it's still empirically encouraging. But these sanctuary sanctuary cities where the police and the sheriffs, especially the sheriff's departments, because they're elected officials, they want to keep the peace, are saying, we're not going to enforce these ridiculous gun-grabbing laws you're trying to put forward. So you've got individuals defending themselves, defending their property, and defending their constitutional right to bear arms. You've got law enforcement siding with them. And now you've got an establishment, a democratic establishment, trying to declare war on these people, and a media complicit in telling everybody that the war that's been declared is somehow being declared by the people that are simply trying to live their lives and be left the fuck alone. It is a mind-boggling simulation, which we are living in, my friends. Now, I don't really have much more to say about that than I think it's a giant black eye for the Democratic establishment. I think it's a giant black eye for the media, which has been exposed in social media. God bless it, has shown people the ignorance of the ways. Now, granted, you know, Mark was just telling me that uh, the people that he works with are convinced that this rally was full of insane white nationalists, and and nothing's going to change their minds on that. And I'm sure that's the way that certain people will be because of the echo chamber, which, by the way, is getting more echoey. Not sure if I mentioned that on the show, but Twitter is now going to uh, allow you to choose who can respond to you. So that's just great. But overall, I think this, this has shown that America is not the dangerous place, that people who own guns are not the mad white racist monsters that you make them out to be and that the message that second amendment rights are in fact good for everybody and anybody just you know no matter what you believe in that you need to be armed in order to protect yourself protect your ability to speak protect your ability to live and thrive is actually spreading and reaching more people than we would have liked to uh, to acknowledge and that's a great thing because I was convinced because of the way things have been going, because of the brazen attempts that these people have been made to cancel our Second Amendment rights, that they were winning the war. But now I think the opposite is true. I think that in very small pockets, like dipshit Los Angeles, where uh, thank God I'm not in the city limits anymore, but I'm still in the county. But other than that, maybe in Portland and Seattle, and you know these, these little pockets of, uh, of idiocy, that for the most part, people are not brainwashed and people still do realize just what we've been short of and how vital it is that we keep that assurance and that right in place. So good to see, uh, the boogaloo will be rescheduled TBD. Okay. Next thing I want to talk about is when we're talking about the establishment guys, actually, you know what? One quick, I would, I want to go one quick thing, uh, because I meant to talk about this a little earlier. Um, number one, Trump just signed the first phase of the U.S.-China trade deal. Now, this is mostly to lower tariffs and, I believe, to include China buying, you know, a couple hundred billion dollars of products from the United States. I know the farmers are included in that without going into too many details. So, fine, boosted the stock market. Now, again, you'll remember I predicted that this was going to happen and that Trump, and, you know, fairly cleverly, if we're going to give credit— where credit is due, and now that's not to excuse his putting pain in place on all of America and and in no ways to endorse tariffs when I say this, but to his credit, as far as manipulation goes, this was going to happen, and it was predictably so, because he's going to lay out this trade deal, he's holding it out, because this way he can boost the economy should it turn south, and this is what people always said, they go, Trump is assured to win again, and I agree that he is assured to win again, especially with all this Idiotic impeachment nonsense and the uh, socialist caterwauling of Democratic candidates. And of course, Joe Biden creepily talking about children staring at his blonde leg hairs as as he holds them underwater. But Trump is basically assured to win the presidency again unless the economy completely goes south. Now, that as of right now does not look like it's going to happen. Even before this trade deal, very confusingly, I mean, I know there's been good economic news as far as employment rates. Uh, I know that the overall global economy is fairly stable at the moment, and the stock market continued to go up crazy. But he was going to hold out this trade deal so that that way, if the economy did ever t- turn down, he could have something in his back pocket which he could lay on the table to boost it back up again. So by having our largest trading partner and the largest you know global economy other than the United States basically treading water until he could play this trump card. If you excuse the terrible pun, he assured that he would have something to boost him if he needed it going into the selection cycle. So it's kind of interesting that they signed this right now. But again, this is phase one of two. So in the immediate time period we're in, it boosts the economy. It boosts the stock market up to the, you know, the highest it's ever been. So he can crow about that. Unemployment remains low. He can still say is the lowest minority unemployment that's ever been. So that's all fine. And now he still has the second half of this trade deal, which he can play again, should he need it. So it's clever manipulation on his part. Maybe it, maybe this is all unintended, but I'm going to give him credit and say that this is something that he had thought about in advance and that his people had planned. Now, you don't hear anybody talking really about that, despite the fact that uh, Nancy Pelosi had signed off on this trade deal. And the other thing that, that I want to talk about, though, is while we have this impeachment trial, this, you know, this show trial, this kangaroo court uh, over impeachment for this whole Biden-Ukraine nonsense, you've got Putin, who, despite all of – basically every single thing that Trump has done undermining Putin and undermining their economy, especially what with the, uh, the gas pipelines in Syria – You've got Putin going over there, and now his term is about to run out, right? It's in danger of running out for, for Putin, who, of course, went from president to prime minister, back to president, but they do have a term limit. Now Putin has basically convinced his government, who are all kowtowing to him, to resign. And I thought when I originally – I read this headline, right? Russian government quits after Putin proposes constitutional reform. I read the headline, and I went, oh, wow. The government is saying we are going to resign rather than go forward and allow this constitutional reform because there's two things that can happen. Number one, he reforms the Constitution and allows him to stay in power as president. Or number two, he pretty much empties out the uh, the Russian government, allowing for him to take over power in a different direction. Matter, and that seems to be what's happening because the government did not resign in russia because they were outraged they actually resigned because they're going along with putin's wishes which is something that i guess i shouldn't be surprised to read but does illustrate just how corrupt just how fiendishly dictate dictatorial russia's government is in comparison to our government which is still awful in every way don't get me wrong But it's a pretty stark contrast. When you look at what the Democrats are trying to do, wasting everyone's time and money by going after Trump for this power grab, when juxtaposed with the Russian system that is truly being run by a dictator, that goes out of his way to squash journalists, that goes out of his way to have, and and without a doubt, the Russian government has people murdered, that influences the economy, that that crushes anybody against them economically uh, and in the industrial sector. And that goes out of the way to jail any protesters. So amazing to look at the two, uh, the way the two things are working out. Putin now, <laughs> his government resigns. He's going to stay in power in one shape or form. Meanwhile, Donald Trump, for raising the specter of whether or not Joe Biden had uh, had meddled around with Ukraine and had some inappropriate payments, and whether Ukraine was involved in election meddling, <laughs> he's, he's getting impeached. And now our country is on hold for a month while this whole thing happens. Just absolutely fucking fascinating all right anyway i don't really want to go too much i I don't really care that much about russia's parliament we all know putin's gonna stay in power uh so i don't need to break it down i just don't care now let's take a quick break uh because i want to tell you about another podcast and then i'll come on back and do a few other topics Yeah, mix it up. Mix up that music. All right, guys. You know what I'm going to tell you? If you're listening to this show, you know what's coming. And that is for me to tell you out there to listen to the Free Man Beyond the Wall podcast. Now, Free Man Beyond the Wall comes from Mance Raider, Pete Quinones. Pete Quinones. And uh, formerly known as Mance Raider, also still known as Mance Raider in one shape or form. Of course, the Meme Master, also the managing editor over at the Libertarian Institute. Posting in our forum, and by the way, if you want to talk to Pete, you can come over, chat with him in our Lions Liberty Forum. He's an active member there, and we'll uh, gladly debate you on multiple libertarian issues. But in the meantime, you can listen, get a feel for what he is, who he is, what he's about, and the guests that he has on the show by going to freemanbeyondthewall.com or just simply pop on over to any of your catching apps and Google, Google, and type in free man beyond the wall. He is a friend of ours, a friend of the show, and uh, another bald libertarian just like me. So if you like bald libertarians, you will definitely enjoy free man beyond the wall. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 160, 160, Liberty.com forward slash ELL160. Now, coming back in, I was talking about the establishment and uh, power grabs. Well, the Democratic establishment really seems to be dissatisfied with the fact that Bernie Sanders has leapfrogged Elizabeth Warren and I believe Joe Biden as well in some places and some polls for a uh, a predominant share of the lead with the Democratic nominees. Now, hilariously, and you know, sometimes the timing of this show just makes me sad because hilariously... I was recording Electric Liberty Land last week, and uh, Mark and Howie and uh, the great Monica Perez. Oh, careful! Careful calling people great, right? Because I know libertarians get really pissed off if you call the call the libertarians great nowadays. If you listen to uh, Dave Smith and the flap he's been in, but the great Monica Perez always fun had joined Mark and Howie to do a debate recap. And at the end of the debate, you know, this is after they didn't talk about it on their show, but. And, and it, I guess, went kind of unnoticed by a lot of people until the audio was released by CNN, which was, which I thought was pretty interesting because CNN was definitely carrying water for Elizabeth Warren, and, and I'll talk a little bit about that. But at the end of the debate, Elizabeth Warren had gone up to Bernie Sanders, and they kind of did this awkward, like, no, handshake, no handshake, and she goes up and she says, I think you just called me a liar on t- uh, yeah, to Bernie Sanders. And Bernie Sanders is like, oh, well, no, we can talk about it later. And now you called me a liar. And then they kind of went, he goes, I don't want to talk about it right now. We'll talk about it later. And he walks away and she walks away. Now this, of course, comes on the heels of CNN in the most blatant underhanded attack on Bernie I've ever seen. Because there's a he he said, she said, wherein Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren are together alone in a room talking. And Elizabeth Warren claims that Bernie Sanders told her a oh, woman could never win the election. Now I'm not a Bernie Sanders supporter. uh, And I can't say that I've ever spent an inordinate amount of time with the man, you know, maybe, maybe at some point I might've seen him in a thrift shop where he buys his soiled and wrinkled suits that he wears, his ill-fitting suits cast offs from, uh, I don't know, Eddie Munster's collection, Herman Munster's collection, part of me. But, Of course, next to where Hillary Clinton buys her burlap sacks. But I do think that Bernie Sanders is a guy who would not go out of his way to tell a woman that he supported for the 2016 presidential candidacy before he decided to get in the race because she decided not to, and that is on the record, as he said himself, is on the record saying that uh, a female should be president, would tell Elizabeth Warren to her face that a woman cannot win the presidential election. Maybe she's misremembering. Maybe he said it in the context of some other, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to defend Bernie, but what I will defend is his being outraged and his saying, I didn't say this. And CNN basically had called him out on this debate. This hack moderator goes, Hey, you no. Know, so, uh, Bernie, did you say, did you tell Elizabeth Warren a woman can never win the presidency? And naturally, Bernie Sanders goes, no, I never said that. And then the moderator turns from Bernie Sanders and asks Elizabeth Warren, so, Senator Warren, when Bernie Sanders told you a woman cannot win the presidency, and of course, Bernie Sanders is laughing, people in the crowd are laughing, because your reaction when you see blatant manipulation, and literally, the guy just told you, to answer your question that he never said it, and you immediately, as a statement of fact, ask another person when he said it. And again, despite no evidence, literally, they said, you know, CNN ran with this story. So this is CNN breaking the news, right? That this, that this, the Bernie Sanders, this, you know, avowed fighter for equality. And then, and this comes into play later too, hilariously, Hillary Clinton, after Bernie Sanders endorsed her, despite all her backdoor shenanigans and the democratic establishment, uh, completely just, you know, butt banging <laughs> Bernie Sanders campaign. Despite that, Hillary Clinton goes, oh, thanks for your endorsement, you're a, a, a fighter for equality and women's rights and all this other stuff in 2016. So keep that in mind. So despite that CNN breaks this story based upon, they said, four sources. Now, those sources are Elizabeth Warren and people that Elizabeth Warren told about it. <laughs> None of these people are Bernie Sanders. None of them are witnesses to what happened. These are all just people that were told the story by Elizabeth Warren on her campaign staff. But for CNN to blatantly take one candidate's side over the other one and have a question that brazen, I mean, clearly designed to put Bernie's dick in the dirt, and granted, I know Bernie would have to get very close to the dirt for that to happen, but still, clearly designed to undermine him, and then to take what he said, give it absolutely no credence, give it absolutely no weight insofar as asking your follow-up question, bam. I mean, that pissed people off on both sides of the aisle, but it was refreshing to see some of these people on the left, these liberals, turn on CNN, and finally, the wool is pulled off of their eyes. They see that the media is manipulating them, that this is not an unbiased source, as all these liberals said, oh, well, the CNN, no, they're they're pretty much in the middle. You know, we know MSNBC is left, and we know that Fox is right, but CNN, they're just, they tell it like it is. No, they don't. I mean, for Christ's sake, donna brazil democratic establishment shill fed hillary clinton fucking questions before a debate if that didn't tip you off that they are establishment to the core that they don't like bernie that they don't like anything that's going to challenge the actual status quo that they so enjoy as privileged members of the media with connections to all the establishment politicians well here's a brand new slap upside your head So it was lovely to see fake news trending on Twitter, CNN, you know, fuck CNN and CNN is fake news and all these other things. And of course, I believe Bernie is trending. Now, the hilarity, though, doesn't end there because for some reason, Hillary Clinton, you know, the the establishment decided they wanted to pull out their biggest gun, their biggest lizard skin coated burlap sack wearing gun in Hillary Clinton, a woman who just can't seem to shut the fuck up, despite the fact that she lost to the possibly the most disliked candidate that has ever run because she somehow was even less likable than him. Of course, when she lost to Donald Trump in a hilarious fashion. And yes, I still dream of the sweet tears of all of those people they showed on TV in her uh, amphitheater she rented out, the stadium she rented out as they sat for hours waiting for her to get her cowardice in check enough to come out and face them, which she never did. What a despicable piece of shit. So Elizabeth Clinton, recently, Elizabeth Clinton, sorry, Hillary Clinton was recently interviewed by The Hollywood Reporter, and she went on full blast attacking Bernie. Why? Because Elizabeth Warren is the chosen establishment candidate now that Joe Biden has proven himself to be either completely senile or just not good at politics. Seems like he never really was, but as he's gotten older, he seems to be coming really unhinged to the point where, despite polling decently... And I think that's mainly not because uh, of his establishment credentials, not because of his relationship with the Obama administration, which Obama, of course, hasn't even endorsed him, but simply because the socialist proposals put forth by Warren and Sanders are so out of the realm of possibility for most rational people that Joe Biden seems like a palatable alternative. But still, they trot out Hillary Clinton to try to you know, back up Warren, who has only, only very recently become this woke left, you know, progressive warrior, And I'm sure that that will not actually come to fruition should she get elected. Uh, I guarantee she reverts to more establishment positions, but brings out Hillary Clinton to attack Bernie. Now, let me read you a quick excerpt from this interview with Howard, Reporter, the Hillary Clinton issue. Quote, he was in Congress for years, he had one senator to support him. Nobody likes him. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. He was a career politician. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad that people got sucked into it. Now, this is from, a uh, again, an interview with the Hollywood Reporter. Why she's being interviewed, I don't quite understand. I mean, really, <laughs> a woman loses a presidential election because she's so absolutely... Unlikable, a woman who has a career because her husband was president and solely has a career based on that and the nepotism of establishment Hollywood. A woman who has gone out of her way to campaign against rape accusers that came after her husband very credibly, Juanita Broderick, who of course has been on our show, uh, coming out and telling them you know telling that these women are liars and cretins and and uh, not to believe them. A woman who laughed when she got a pedophile. Uh, you know, it basically got a pedophile off of his conviction case. A woman who famously said, when we went in and completely upended Libya, which of course now is in a state of utter chaos with literal slavery and slave auctions and markets ongoing right now as I'm speaking. But went in and said, we came, we saw he died and then laughed uproariously about a man being sodomized to death with a knife. And of course, who has been going around the country crying to anybody that could listen about how she was somehow wronged in this election cycle and how things could have been so different, desperately clawing to get money in to support her lavish lifestyle now that the Clinton Global Foundation, which of course is a completely corrupt entity selling state influence, has dried up. I think their latest take was something like 5 million. I used to pull in 50 million, <laughs> excuse me, even more. And has been basically getting, you know, one quarter attendance at these events that she and, uh, and doddering old Bill have attended. So why anybody is listening and wants to hear her opinion, I don't fucking understand what wisdom can she possibly impart to anything? And who is she to say that Bernie Sanders got nothing or got nothing done? Hillary Clinton got nothing done in her time as a Senator. She, I think got one bill put to vote and that was literally it. Then, because of the nepotism, she got up to Secretary of State, and that was that. She went on to ruin many people's lives. So Hillary Clinton now is going out here and accusing Bernie Sanders of being unlikable. The the height of irony, of course, is not lost on anybody. A woman who literally lost a presidential election to Donald Trump, a man who is so unliked that he has literally caused a mental disorder in like 30% of Americans, is saying that Bernie Sanders is unlikable and got nothing done. It's just magnificent. And also, I have to ask this, how good is Hillary Clinton's lawyers? How good is her protection these days? Because look, if I had just collaborated with my husband and my criminal empire, uh, my hitmen, my assassins network of correction officers to kill Jeffrey Epstein before he could come and testify against me and my husband for all of the young women that uh, I either watched him rape or that he raped and then uh, neglected to tell me about, well, I'd certainly keep my head out of the spotlight. Yeah. I might want to keep it down. Maybe take a step back, maybe take a little vacation, stay out of the spotlight, but not, not old Hillary Clinton, not old Hill dog, Hill dog howling at the moon. Doesn't give a damn untouchable apparently not afraid to be haunted by the ghost of Seth Rich not afraid to be haunted by <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein granted I doubt his ghost can get anywhere uh anywhere close to being out of hell that is if he's even dead not going to go down conspiracy corner lane but there is some thought to the fact that they you know just put a double in there that Jeffrey Epstein is alive and well hiding out on his island and that uh some poor schlub got killed in his stead but god damn it Hillary Clinton. I just, somebody, does nobody can, can Huma Abedin not get the guts together to be like, Hillary, why don't you just shut the fuck up? Why don't you just go away? God, you've got enough money. You've got enough houses. Like, the psyche, and this is, of course, people throughout politics, and Donald Trump's the same thing, but the psyche, the ego of this woman, she cannot Get away. She can't let herself like her. She's so damaged psychologically by her loss to Trump that she can't stand out of the spotlight. She has to continue to attack. She has to attract anybody that could have a chance of beating Trump, too. And of all the people on the stage, I mean, maybe Bernie Sanders has the best shot of actually beating Trump. Maybe because he can appeal to the anti-establishment wing that, fact, you know, like I said before in the show, The people that backed Ron Paul, some of those people went all right. Some of those people went a different direction. Some of those people went to Bernie because they just were like, fuck the establishment. They went to Donald Trump. Now Trump is the establishment. They're going to go to Bernie because they're just like, screw the establishment. I want somebody that's an outside. Well, not that Bernie's outside. He's very much inside career politician. But somebody that's going to be a little different than your everyday politician, have different prescriptions. So I could see him drawing some of Trump's supporters from that first time around. Hillary Clinton can't have that because if anyone beats Trump, that simply means that she specifically was not good enough. You know, it's kind of like the way I root for my sports teams. If my team loses and they lose to somebody in the playoffs, right? Except Seattle, because fuck Seattle and their filthy piece of shit, Jade Avion Clowney, who dirty hit Carson Wentz in the back of the head and knocked him out of the playoffs. Anyway, if my team loses, usually though, Whoever they lose to, I want them to win the Super Bowl. I want to be sure that my team got beaten by an unbeatable superpower, a a titan, with no cracks, no chinks in the armor, that there's nothing they could have done to win. That's it. They lost to the best. They got beaten soundly. Damn, man. Hillary Clinton's ego, despite the fact that she's crying about being robbed and crying about how sexism and racism had something to do with it, despite the fact that we know Barack Obama was the last president. Racism had nothing to do with it. Sexism has nothing to do with it. More women supported Trump than Hillary Clinton. But her ego needs Trump to win. That's what's crazy about this. She needs Trump to win, and she has to attack anybody else that has a chance at beating him. Of course, she's established her to the courts why she went after Tulsi Gabbard, who I'm going to talk about in a second. But she had to tear Tulsi Gabbard down because she's anti-war. She's attacking, uh, you know, the establishment war state. And you know, Tulsi Gabbard—if Tulsi Gabbard had gotten the nomination, without a doubt, would beat Trump. I'll tell you that right now. The Democrats are fools, and I—I just posted on my personal Facebook about this. The Democrats are fools for not supporting her. She's still in the race. She would trounce Trump. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. But they're too stupid. They won't go along with it. And Hillary Clinton knows that she would have a good chance. So of course she has to tear her down just like she's tearing Bernie down. She will tear down anyone who she thinks has a legitimate shot. Watch and see. All right, in regards to Tulsi, I do want to talk about this real quick. Tulsi has come out formally against the war on drugs and for legalizing drugs. And of course her stance on this is one that I can get behind wholeheartedly as a libertarian. Now, as you know, Tulsi Gabbard has got her warts. She's got a, a socialist bent on ve- several policies, climate change, education, uh, health care, none of which I agree with and all of which are pretty terrible. But on the two issues that are the most important on the war on drugs and on the war state slash war on terror, she is pretty damn good. So in regards to the war on drugs, she had this to say. If we take the step to legalize and regulate, then we're no longer treating people who are struggling with substance addiction and abuse as criminals and instead getting them the help that they need. This was in response to a voter who asked if her plan to end the war on drugs centered on more harm reduction and treatment, or if it moved involving to legalize and regulate her. She replied all of the above quote, the cost and the consequence of this failed war on drugs is so vast Far-reaching, socially and fiscally, that if we take these necessary steps, we'll be able to solve a lot of other problems that we're dealing with in this country. Now, I was at one of her events here in Los Angeles. Uh, Mark and I attended, along with some other uh, libertarian pals of ours. Uh, Our pal Angela McCardle was there, along with I think Pablo uh, Sergio was there. I'm trying to remember who else was uh, tagging along for the ride on that one, but. You know, I'd pressed her on the war on terror. Uh, other people had pressed her on several other topics, but she remained consistent in the point that she wants to end the war state and that she wants to end the war on drugs. And, you know, there are a lot of funds that go into that. I remember talking to Howie Snowden about this and he said, you know, well, and I agree with them on this point and that if you're going to be funding all these goddamn programs, at least you could use some of the funds from the war state to pay for them rather than just having all of the above going on all the time. So at least in regards to fiscal responsibility, while I think that her programs for, again, climate, education, healthcare, are absolutely the wrong way to go about it and absolutely will cost us an incredible amount of money by eliminating the war on drugs, by eliminating, and also the amount of infrastructure that goes into supporting the war on drugs and the war state as a as a total, you can at least partially balance out what it would cost to put these other programs into place. So while I'm not for it, I at least can respect that point of view. Regardless, this no-holds-barred, legalize it and regulate it, well, I'm not for the regulation, but legalize it uh, point of view is refreshing from a politician, and it's the first time I've heard her express this specifically. So good fucking job, Tulsi Gabbard. Hope you get the support that you deserve and that Hillary Clinton has to crawl out of her goddamn shell once more to try to attack you because you're finally getting the, uh, the traction that you deserve within the Democratic Party. All right. Two more quick things. Uh, Number one, you guys will recall my stance on climate change and how I still don't know for sure if climate change is a thing that is caused by human action or not. I still don't necessarily think that the earth, in fact, is uh, warming at a uh, unprecedented rate despite these latest results that came out, because, again, as I discussed on the show, there were results found by the, uh, the NOAA that undercut all of the most recent climate models because the temperature data that they were using was completely skewed because of her uh, urban heat islands and the effect of those on temperature gauges that had just been put into place and hadn't been recalibrated or moved accordingly. That being said, I'm a man who believes in science. I'm also a man who believes in human ingenuity. And humans adaptability, and there's a reason that we've been on this planet for as long as we have and have advanced as fast as we have, and that is because we have an ability to adapt and to overcome. And as such, I said that were climate change an actual issue, were it presented as this is something that we can scientifically prove, and it is in fact going to kill us all, that humanity would come up with a solution to fix it pretty goddamn quickly. To that point... DARPA has living bricks that can produce self-heal and slurp, can reproduce, excuse me, self-heal and slurp CO2 out of the air. Now, some people had pointed out that DARPA is not the only one doing this. I think Ben Pange, uh, or Pangy, however you want to say it, had pointed this out in our forum as well. And uh, you can check him out by the way, at the Homesteads and uh, Homeschooling Podcast. He does that, uh, I think, every week now. It's pretty sweet. But, He pointed out that there are other people doing this as well, but these bricks basically are created that are living bricks that turn carbon dioxide into CaCO3, which is the main ingredient for cement. So what happens is they pull these bricks out, they create, they basically, you put them in place, they suck carbon dioxide out of the the, uh, environment around them, and then create denser bricks due to the way that these chemical processes interact with each other. So I guess this involves bacteria and a solution of sand and gelatin. And then once the gelatin and this uh, this process starts to suck in the carbon dioxide, it creates calcium carbonate, which mineralizes the gelatin and binds the sand together. So they become harder and they become denser from this environment uh, interaction. And as a benefit, pull CO2 out of the air. Of course, <laughs> that's still, still TBD if, if uh, CO2 is actually the driving factor in climate change. I personally am not sure about that because it seems like methane and water vapor both play a large and larger role in climate changes than do CO2. But hey, if CO2 is the culprit, this seems to be a good way to solve the problem. And again, this is simply one solution and there's multiple competitors in that arena. God knows what they're going to come up with if it actually proves to be a thing that is a true threat to humanity. And our politicians stop buying, you know, 70,000 or 70,000 acre mansions on beachfront property in prime, quote, hurricane and climate change zones, and instead focus on solving what is supposed to be this existential threat. So there you go. Proof of concept for my uh, belief in humanity's ability to overcome something like this. And then to wrap up the show, uh, I want to talk about the idiot of the week, and that is, once again, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And I'm just basing this off a a very simple statement that she had made, (laughs) and it is this. Quote, No one ever makes a billion dollars. You take a billion dollars. Now, this was being said... Over Martin Luther King Day in a conversation with Ta-Nehisi ta Coates, who is a uh, complete liberal slash uh, race baiting hack, if I'm being completely truthful in my opinion of him. And she says, Again, this is a quote. No one ever makes a billion dollars. You take a billion dollars. I'm not here to villainize and to say billionaires are inherently morally corrupt. It's to say the system we live in, life in capitalism, always ends in billionaires. And that they, of course, make their money off the backs of undocumented people, black and brown people, being paid under a living wage and single mothers. So a lot to unpack in this absolutely moronic point of view. And really just... Is there anything more fundamentally broken in a worldview than that, than believing that billionaires haven't made their money and somehow they're being taken, they're taking money out of people's pockets based upon a corrupt system. And specifically that billionaires are making their money off undocumented people, black and brown people, and single mothers. (laughs) I'm desperate to see. The empirical evidence to back up this claim where Amazon is predominantly making all of its money off of undocumented people, black people, and single mothers. Because you know what? I'm going to guess that Amazon, like if we're talking about Amazon or really any billionaire-backed company. Typically what ends up happening, Alexandria, is that the system we have called capitalism allows people to create a product or a service that people want to buy. Rarely do you get billionaires that come out of not creating a product or a service. In fact, the only way you can have billionaires where you're not creating a product or a service is for that billionaire to be a product of government, which of course is what you want to solve this problem and accordingly what you want to use to attack people that have free market capability and to attack entrepreneurs that are trying to create and take part in a capitalist exchange. Amazing, right? The irony there that this fucking idiot can't see that by creating something that people want, you actually are providing a service that is so valuable that people actively will exchange their time and effort, which of course results in them being paid for in exchange for whatever providing, you know, be it Amazon, you're providing cheap goods that are delivered to you very quickly and easily. They save you money by not having to drive to the store. They save you time by not having to go and walk around to multiple stores if you're doing shopping, which of course, time is often more valuable to people than money, which is why we have weekends, not because the unions mandated them, but because we advanced to the point where people were able to take time off rather than having to work seven days a week because advances in technology and advances within the way people value their time versus their income. In fact, most people would exchange, especially in poorer societies, would opt to exchange mandated vacation time in exchange for more money. Again, in America, we don't have to worry about that because our capitalist system has allowed us to advance to the point where we now have more free time than we've ever had in our lives. We have more money and more capital accrued than any time in the history of humanity and more at our fingertips to keep our lives easy and free than we ever have in the past. So for AOC to come out here and say that black and brown people being paid under a living wage are somehow leading to the creation of billionaires simply doesn't add up. Number one, the concept of a living wage is bullshit because the living wage alters from city to city, from lifestyle to lifestyle, and has a million other factors that are coming into play there children, uh, commute to work, all that other things. But regardless of that, I'm sorry, but if you entered into a contract with a company, a private contract voluntarily, because this is not slave labor then how exactly is it the problem of the company what wages their employee has agreed to under that private contract? You can't blame the company and say that capitalism and billionaires are to blame because people have voluntarily offered their time in exchange for a wage, which probably was better than they could find on the competitive market. In fact, one could argue that they're lucky to being paid that wage because they would have found better employment elsewhere should they be able to. You could also argue that people that are being paid this wage, if it's not, quote, living wage, are not meant to be living off it to begin with, that it's in fact an introductory wage, something like you would find at a McDonald's, something like you'd find at a car wash, something that's a low skill, easy labor job, or maybe it's a high, high labor job with no skill involved. Either way, not something that demands a lot of education, not something that demands a lot of uh, dedication from its employees and probably has a high turnover rate. Now, additionally, if you say that these companies have to pay their employees a living wage like California has tried to do, ruining millions of people's lives with AB5, which has destroyed the gig economy and is also trying to destroy and uplift Uber and Lyft and a, a lot of these other companies, well, What's gonna happen there is that you're actually gonna end up costing the poorest people the most amount of money. Let's again go back to Amazon as an example. Amazon pays its workers a certain wage. They are then able to use that wage to keep their prices low because they're not gonna be paying people an exorbitant amount of money for what is basically an easily taught unskilled job, such as driving a van and dropping a package off, such as putting a package on a conveyor belt, such as putting a package in a box with fucking peanuts. You simply get that job, you get that wage because it's unskilled. And by having that low-paying job that anybody can do, Amazon is then able to help millions and millions and millions of people get products at a far lower cost than they'd be able to get them otherwise were the cost of labor higher. So the people that you're saying are directly contributing to billionaires by being underpaid and being these disenfranchised individuals – are probably, on top of the money that Amazon is paying them, actually saving money leaps and bounds over what they would be able to afford were that company not in existence. Now, moving on from disenfranchised people that are being paid, quote, under a living wage, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about, this whole single mothers thing. How do billionaires associate with single mothers? Why are single mothers creating billionaires? I don't fucking know. I'm desperate to find out how these things are related. Are the single mothers somehow birthing the billionaires? Is that where this is coming from? Are are an inordinate amount of billionaires coming out of single mother's vaginas? Do I need to divorce my wife so that she is a single mother and our child becomes the first female billionaire and whatever widgets it's going to create? Because if so, I'll do it tomorrow. But AOC, I mean, I need to see some documentation on that. I'm going to see, I need to see some scientific papers, <laughs> whatever your, you and your staff have worked up, lay them on my desk and I'll make sure to uh, to give me evaluation they deserve. All right. That's going to do it for Electric Liberty Land this week. Everybody uh, popping along with some stories there. Like I said, I uh, am presuming that I will not be able to do my show in person next week, but we shall see. These things are still up in the air, but if not, you'll either get a uh, a little pre recorded show that we did with the What's Happening crew, uh, a fun show over with uh, Nico and Shane. Otherwise, we'll see if there's a, if there's enough time and notice for my compatriots at Lions of Liberty. Maybe we will see an edition of Boogaloo Radio get Howie hooked. Maybe he'll uh, spin off a new show for us at some point too. All right, guys, that's it from me, Brian McWilliams, uh, and all the Lions of Liberty. Again, listen to Mark Clare on Mondays the flagship Lions of Liberty show. Listen to John Odie Odermatt on Fridays with Felony Fridays. And, of course, me every Wednesday. So here's me signing off and reminding you from Electric Liberty Land to always stay plugged into liberty.